Welcome to X's and O's NBA Breakdown, the podcast where we take a deeper look into teams, coaches, and trends of the NBA. I'm your host, Coach Mark Tinklenberg. It's time to settle in and enjoy as we talk about the league. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of X's and O's NBA Breakdown. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Risen Grind, Nuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, and Motor City Hoops. Also check out our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and bleachers and boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Welcome to X's and O's NBA Breakdown, Episode 1. I'm your host, Mark Tinklenberg. We want to start this show off by first giving a shout-out to the Hoopheads Pod Network for them taking us in and being a part of this journey with you guys. We're titled X's and O's NBA Breakdown for a reason. Uh, I am currently going into my 11th season as a head coach at Dublin Kaufman High School, head varsity assistant. Um, I played college basketball and high school basketball, and I've been able to be around the game uh, basically my whole adult uh, life. And I've been also able to be in contact with people who have had um, a lot of input to the NBA, certain uh, coaches as of now. One of my best friends uh, is Chris Quinn, the head assistant for the Miami Heat. Um, and I really love getting a little insight from him about the NBA in general. But this is going to be a show where we get to enjoy uh, some in-depth knowledge um, about the NBA and how things work. Uh, if you're a high school coach, college coach, whatever, and, and you want to get a little bit deeper this is your show. If you're also just a standard NBA fan that really likes to listen and talk basketball with three guys that just enjoy watching every night, this is also your show. So we get to do both. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I'm a long life, lifelong fan of the LA Lakers. Um, and so we're going to get a lot of LA Lakers talk on here, but this is not a Lakers podcast. We are going to talk all things NBA. And we're so excited to start this with you. So I'm going to hand it over to my co-host, the first of which is Mike Herringa. Mike is my brother. The second will be Zach Walker. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. But I just want you guys to know we are a family and we cannot wait to do this with you. Mike, take it away. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I am a 80s NBA baby. I grew up in Southern California, fell asleep listening to Chick Hearn call Laker games on the radio. And uh, again, this is not a Lakers podcast per se, but that's where I gained my passion for basketball. And that's followed me uh, this whole time. And yes, we are going to have some deep conversation about what basketball is, how it works, some of the ins and outs and X's and O's. but. I'm excited to have some conversation with you guys. We have spent many a night on our respective patios, walking through what the NBA is looking like now, having those age-old arguments about uh, who was the best Laker, the best Pacer, the best 
center. Um, we're going to have some of those conversations as well. And I'm excited to get going with you guys. And I want to give you, uh, Zach, an opportunity to tell a little bit about uh, your history. And uh, Zach, take it away. You guys are right. This is not a Lakers podcast because I'm a Pacers fan. Okay. I'm going to need uh, some time every now and then to be able to talk about my own team. And I appreciate that if you guys back off. Okay. So again, I'm Zach Walker, born in Indianapolis, born and raised in Indianapolis. So Pacers are a huge, huge thing. NBA is a huge, huge thing for me. All my, my two older brothers are huge Pacers fans as well. So all indie sports all the way, as I sit here in my Pacers hat in my Pacers city, just to let you guys know. Um, a lot of great memories, memories watching basketball with my brothers and them teaching me the game, which is this is the sport that I ended up playing the most out of all the sports that I did play. So basketball is a huge part um, as I've grown up with Mark and and helped him in things more. So he helped me because he's better at basketball than I am, which is great. <laughs> but uh, fair, fair. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I'm going to send it back to Mark to kind of let you guys know what this episode, this first episode, the big one, what we're going to be doing. So here we are. Um, and guys, first of all, we, I appreciate you guys doing this with me. Um, doing a podcast is interesting because, you know, uh, you get involved and all of a sudden you fall in love with it, but you don't want to do it by yourself. And so I'm so I'm honored and, and I'm so glad to start this with you guys. Um, so this first episode, we're going to talk about a couple things. And um, I also want to throw a little input here. I can't wait to hear what uh, you guys that are listening, what you have to say. Uh, if you agree with what we're going to talk about, um, always feel free to comment, give us feedback, whatever you need to do. X underscore breakdown, Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear you. Give us a follow. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the bubble experience in general quickly, and then we'll dive into the NBA offseason. Who are your winners? We have a top four that we are going to name for you guys, and we're going to tell you why we think that. Um, but we're going to start with the bubble experience. Uh, so 2020 has hit. Uh, COVID has struck. It has been a strange season, halted midway through March. Um you know, the NBA was at the height of its powers when 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 it stopped and, and COVID struck. Um, it felt like everything, the storylines, the players, uh, the coaching staffs, everything involved, uh, the NBA was clicking on all cylinders. And then we we hit a, a freezing point and and we're pushed back to August um, and teams having to fly to Orlando um, and and going through that. So. You know, as a fan, I have my perspective. And as a coach, I have my perspective. And I know that um, these guys do too. So, Mike, uh, tell me, what, what are your general thoughts on the bubble and what happened down in Orlando and, and what it meant to you being an NBA fan and, and how that all played out? Well, I will tell you, it was the best basketball watching experience I've ever had. It was Every other night, uh, when the playoffs were in full bloom after this started up, it was every night, and there were three games a night. And uh, as the playoffs continued, um, it was, you know, two games a night. And then when we got to the finals, it was basically every other night. One of the things that I loved is that you could set your calendar like a metronome, and it would just be night after night after night 
And I loved that. I, I actually just finished up and I watched, um, a podcast or a, uh, Zoom with, uh, LeBron and Richard Jefferson was saying, look, every other, uh, championship ever should have an asterisk because this was the hardest one that was ever won. And there were, there was no home court, ad- court advantage. There were no fans, um, but I will tell you as a fan at home, it was the best to watch. It was pure basketball. It reminded uh, me of my earlier days, just uh, sort of shacking up in a gym with a bunch of folks and just playing over and over and over and just running next and running next and running next. And, and so as a fan, it was great to watch. It was, it was, really fun to be a part of. And Zach, let me get a little bit about what you thought of it, because uh, again, as, as an NBA fan for damn near 30 years, it was the best experience basketball wise that I remember. What do you think? It's twofold for me. Um, So personally, the Pacers got swept by the Miami heat. So it was hard. Fair. Fair, fair. <laughs> it was it was hard for my soul, but um, but as a fan, as a fan of the sport, that was probably one of the more rewarding playoff experiences that I've ever been a part of. Mainly, and it shows you right away what kind of difficulty it was when you have a team like the Heat make it to where they made it because all they did was go to the gym and play hard. They were the ones in the gym, as you said, Mike, that kept winning. So they got to keep the court like they were that team that we all hated at the rec league that never lost. Yep. Yep. That that was exactly what that was like. But I mean, I don't know if you could have had a better experience like that was the like the team that deserved to win win. When we saw that lose with the Clippers, they didn't deserve to win the Milwaukee Bucks. They didn't deserve to win the team that just went out and just like all that matters is basketball. That was awesome. It's really interesting. It's really interesting you say that, Zach. Having conversation uh, with Chris since he was in there, uh, he told me he said you know it was really obvious from the jump what teams were in it to stay and what teams were ready to go home. And they, yeah, and and they were a team, the Miami Heat, who he said you know none of our guys felt that way you know, that we they were ready to grind and you could just tell who's here to grind it out and stay stay the course through this thing and who wasn't yeah you know, he said we'd be watching games as a staff and we'd be like oh yeah yeah that so and so yeah you can tell they're they're not interested in staying here <laughs> they're ready to go home uh so it's interesting yep. that as a fan we saw that too and then on the coaching side they definitely were able to identify those teams uh and be able to see that and I think the cool part was, is I do truly think in that experience, we got the two best teams at the end uh, fighting for that championship. Hands uh, down. The environment, even though we weren't able to be there um, and, and we got a view on TV, um, from my understanding, the environment was absolutely awesome. Uh, it was a war, as it was described to me. And it was as legit as could be possible. And to hear Richard Jefferson say, 
uh, that there should be an asterisk for every other NBA champion, uh, but not this one because this one was earned. Um, That was a common sentiment amongst people that were there. And so the bubble experience as a whole was a complete success. No COVID positive people, uh, the entirety uh, of the testing once they were there and in the bubble and the basketball in general was just amazing. You know, I know Damian Lillard touched a little bit on the fact that it was different because you could just keep playing because you didn't have a bus ride to a hotel. You didn't have a flight the next day. You would literally go back from the arena to your hotel which was about five minutes away and you would get directly into the, uh, the ice bath or the sun or whatever it is you do for your recovery. You'd be able to go to bed right there on the spot. You'd wake up and you'd be five minutes from where you were playing again. And that helped people that helped the players, uh, recover faster. They were able to pull this thing off the NBA, uh, genius as always, I think. Um, and so that leads us, uh, to our next part, which is the NBA offseason. So the bubble ends with the Lakers crowned as the 2020 champs um, in six games. And the NBA offseason hits a short six weeks later. And here we are, we're getting ready to start uh, the 2020-21 season. And the NBA offseason has been an absolute whirlwind, whirlwind between trades and free agency, coaching changes, um, you know, GMs, everything in between. And the drama of the NBA continues in beautiful form. So we compiled a list of four teams across the league uh, with training camp starting next week already in just a few short days. Um, We compiled four teams that won the NBA offseason, in our opinion, based on systems and coaches and their philosophies and the players that they signed to fill those needs. Um, and so we're going to talk about those here right now. And I, and I hope you fans of these teams appreciate this because this, this was some hard thought out information from us three. So the first team that we identified as the fourth best team this off season was the Atlanta Hawks and the Atlanta Hawks um, picked up a veteran in Rajon Rondo, a veteran in Danilo Gallinari, an absolute stud, in my opinion, in Bojan Bogdanovich. They picked up a great guard in Chris Dunn. Uh, they got a veteran in Solomon Hill. And we forgot that they traded for Clint Capella last year and never got to play. So we haven't even seen him on that roster yet. Um, the returning roster is still really good. They're still really young. Um, and they drafted Okongwu, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, a really good player. And their coach is a good player. player. Yeah. So, uh, Zach, tell me why you felt like the Atlanta Hawks came in as a top four team in free agency, trade season, everything in between. Well, if you look at who their additions are and Rondo, who can help Trey develop even more as a point guard he can shoot we all know that that's great but to actually you have all this talent now that you're adding around him you got to be able to facilitate and rondo is the perfect person in my opinion to be able to do that with him um the 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 system that they're running um and their coaching staff mostly you know lloyd pierce coming back in his third season as head coach um he in the last three seasons 
he's really kind of even up their offense and high tempo even more. And they added Nate McMillan, which as a Pacers fan, I know Nate McMillan very, very well. Great. Yeah, he's going to be the defensive minded coach that they probably need, I would say, because obviously their offense is always going to be good, but you can't rely always on how to outscore the rest of the league. So Nate um, was a brilliant coach for the Pacers in four years. Um, better regular season record in the four four years, but his thing was he couldn't win in the playoffs as it showed even in the bubble. So he never got past the first round. But like I said, defensive minded, no nonsense. He was known as the sergeant, the Sarge. Um, he was a kind of that old school. I'm going to find you with, with you know if you're wearing headbands, if you're using your cell phones, you name it. Um, and he eased up as a Pacers coach, but even looking at tweets from like Thaddeus Young and CJ Miles after they got traded or left in free agency from that team, they did come out and kind of talk about the intensity of his practices, almost like they were in high school or middle school and not professionals and the type of sprints they would do and everything like that. So he is, he is a, an old school mindset that it could get these young, young kids to be able to, to play a little bit. Um, I, but I think he'll be perfect. And I think that that goes well with Lloyd Pierce, who's going into his third season as head coach, uh, who's seen as a – and is known as a player's coach. And so kind of having that balance maybe with McMillan. Um, I think long story short, um, the Atlanta Hawks are young and they needed to get some veteran leadership and they needed to get it quick. And I knew that they didn't want to waste any more time with Trey. Uh, Cam Reddish came along late. Uh, their their coaching style offensively um, fits perfectly for this roster with Rondo and Gallinari and Bogdanovich, guys that can get up and down, that can that can um, spot three, space the floor. Uh, they averaged 104 possessions last year. Um, you know, almost 40 percent of their shots came from three. So I feel like it's a really good mix, um, and I feel like what they want to do offensively with the high ball screen for Trey and Rondo and those guys being able to spread the floor, they're going to be a tough guard for a lot of other teams. Yeah. That's a legit roster. I mean, they have a lot of talent on there. It's just a question of whether or not they're going to be able to pull that together. Trey has gotten a bad rap. In my opinion, Uh, he, because he didn't show out like a lot of people wanted him to his rookie year. uh, He's, you know, in a lot of circles, and maybe even Atlanta, because they haven't done what they expected. He, he's almost a bust, but that kid, I tell you, he's got he's got game. And some yeah, hair. he's got great hair, but he's also he's just seen as a scorer, right? I mean, that to be determined defensively, he is. I I, I know he's kind of widely known as a, just a horrible defender right now, and. And he's got to be surrounded with guys that can give him some stops, so that when when he's got the ball, they can they can make more runs. It, basketball is a game of runs. It always has. It always will be. Uh, high school, college, and NBA. It's a game of runs. And you know, right now, these teams that can't get over the hump, um, they're not throwing the last punch. They're and so you have to have those guys and that veteran leadership to show them how to. And do is that. there a better so that's person f- in the league than Rondo to kind of no. show that uh, show that way? Yeah, it's, it, it's 
Rondo got so much flack from me, included last year with the Lakers in the regular season. Yeah, I season. heard it. And As I can't believe, I can't believe that playoff Rondo is real. I, I honestly, I, I can't believe that it's a real thing. It's a very real thing. And so he, won, he single-handedly it, won a couple of those games in the playoffs. Uh, just the way he completely changed series. Um, I will always remember him for that. He, he really changed the last three series in the playoffs uh, with Houston and Denver and then Miami to finish. He, he completely changed. And we watched, so we watched not- the Lakers lean on his wisdom in that second team. And that's going to really help Trey moving forward, just to kind of have a sounding board to say, Hey, talk to me about some of these things that are going on. So. Correct. Another coach on the floor, on the bench. He, yep. he is a basketball mind that everybody talks so highly about. Yep. Number three, the Portland trailblazers. Um, we will meet soon with the Portland trailblazers host on who Ped's pod and get his input on them. But um, to us, Portland trailblazers made significant moves um, the first being Robert Covington coming from Houston in a trade. Um, they re-sign Carmelo Anthony. They get Derek Jones Jr. from Miami. They add Ennis Cantor um, for his second stint. Um, I believe last time he averaged 13 points, um, but he only cost $3 million for him. Rodney Hood re-signs after an injury um, and obviously getting Nurkic back healthy last year in the playoffs was a huge addition. Um, their coaching staff has remained the same. Their style is perfect for this roster. Um, I, I have read that Terry Stotts has said that um, Carmelo Anthony will come off the bench. Um, you know, in starter minutes, he had a great, he had a great playoff run. Um, I felt like in the playoff series against the Lakers, the one in which ended their season, that he was actually their best player on both ends of the court. He wasn't overall their best offensive player, and he maybe overall wasn't their best defensive player. But it was incredible to me that Carmelo Anthony was probably, on average, their best player on both ends, the way he guarded LeBron and did a pretty good job. Um, You know, obviously nobody has been able to stop LeBron um, in the postseason, specifically last year. And they decided to turn it on. But he had the best um, he had the best postseason as good as you could have hoped for if you are a Portland Trailblazers fan. This is a very exciting team. CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, um, and those two guards will will run this offense to perfection with the two guard system, the free flowing horn offense with a lot of two high ball screens um, and Damian Lillard coming off those screens and shooting from anywhere past half court. And if you are not guarding him, he may shoot from behind half court. So Portland had a great off season and I feel like they are a legitimate threat. I saw the rankings. They weren't even in the top eight in the West. And I I think that is complete nonsense. I think Portland is a top five team in the West. Um, and I feel like this offseason that they've had um, has put them in that position. And I got a question for you being the coach in the room um, for their horn setup. Like, 
what what does that do when you have that high ball screen? How does that break down a defense? What makes that hard to guard? Well, you have to decide what do I want to take away. Um, and with shooters on the wings, it makes it even harder. And I think that's what they got better at with Robert Covington. Um, and I think that that helps them significantly because now you have to decide, am I worried about the ball handler, which is Damian Lillard 90% of the time, or CJ McCollum? Um, do I need to stop him? Do I need to tag the roller who's going to be Cantor and who's going to be Nurkic, who are great finishers at the rim? Um, their mid-range might not be spectacular, but at the rim, they are two really good finishers. So am I going to tag him? And on the tag, I'm going to have to leave that shooter who's rolling up after that ball screen happens. Um, and so you you, abs- you 100% cause that defensive uh, that second on defense, which is so valuable, you cause that second to happen and you have to force them to make that decision of, okay, am I going to tag the roller? Am I going to leave the shooter or do I have to trap this ball screen? Am I going to, am I going to hedge this? Am I going to drag it out? What do I do on this? And so when you constantly are putting people in that action, you are bound to find a mistake defensively. And that's why in the NBA, you have so many pick and roll actions. It's, it's what drives the NBA. Uh, and especially when you have great guards like CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. And so you, you put the defense in a predicament every single possession. Yeah. And as we were looking at this, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I had forgotten that Derek Jones Jr. went to the trailblazer. Right, right. And you want to talk about somebody that can finish at the rim. Good heavens. We watched him finish at the rim with Miami over the last three years violently. Yes. <laughs> and so that's, you know, that's just somebody else. You throw it up there. He's going to find it and throw it down. Yeah. Uh, overall, a spectacular off season. Um, so we'll move on to number two. And I think this is the, one of the most intriguing ones that is in the NBA this season. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers come in at number two for us. And this might cause um, a little bit of – there might be some people that disagree with us. Um, but the way we looked at this is that coaching is such a valuable thing in the NBA. And we have on this show three guys that highly respect Doc Rivers. And I think him immediately going to Philadelphia um, could be an absolute perfect fit. Um, and as we know, coaching can be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Coaching could be really hard because you not only have to deal with, uh, X's and O's, which is what our show's about, but the other side of coaching and breaking stuff down is getting players to believe in your system. And especially at the NBA level, you have so many egos and so many things flying around that, um, players that not only buy in, but that are, um, that back up what people say they should be able to do. So Doc Rivers leaves a toxic environment with the LA Clippers. And as he learned, um, his the players there will throw you under the bus. Even though you are a uh, champion coach, they will throw you under the bus. But my thing is, is that if you hit the side of the backboard in an NBA game, in a game seven, it's time to come out. You need to come out of the game. You come out of the game. You need to come out of the okay, game. Okay, so what people need to know is behind the scenes, all of us were waiting for 
Clippers uh, just trash to start right there. But Mark's holding it back. So go ahead, Mark. No, that that's really it. I mean, if you hit the side of a backboard in game seven, it's time for it you to be said. Yeah, you need to come out of the game. And I, I really don't want to hear from you in the offseason that it's the coach's fault that he put you in too many uh, staggered screen situations and made you feel like you were Ray Allen or J.J. Redick when you shot the lowest career um, uh, percentage amount of Times coming off a down screen catch and shoot. So yeah, I'm hey, gonna real need, quick. Can stop. can we throw a stat dump in there, Mark? Yes. This was the uh, highest pick and roll percentage for Paul George. I mean, I'm assuming that's who you're talking about. Yes. The highest pick and roll percentage of Paul George in his entire career. Yeah, it sure was. And yet he claims that he got none of that, and he needs more. So again, I'm gonna need him to come out of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sixers, fire away. So talk to me a little bit about Doc Rivers. Here's a guy that, as, again, we talked about at the beginning of the show as a Laker fan, um, not a huge Celtic fan, but I will tell you, as time goes on, Doc Rivers gets more and more and more of my respect, not only for his coaching style, um, but I will tell you, I watched his interview when it came to when he was in the bubble and just talking about how um, he's standing with the players and in some of the social justice, uh, some of the social justice uh, stands that they're taking. So I'll tell you, I've learned to love the guy and that is a player's coach. Um, That's why it worked in Boston. When you look at, when he won his title, he had KG, he had Paul Pierce, he had the aforementioned um, Ray Allen, and he had a young Rondo. So he had people there that were willing to sacrifice for the better of the team. Obviously, that wasn't necessarily the case in uh, in Clipperland, but um, this guy with the right team can make magic. And I'm not sure that uh, that the 76ers are that team. Embiid is a little bit um, emotional in in what we've seen. Um, but Zach, let me throw you let me throw you to the uh, roster a little bit and tell me what that looks like. Well, you got Danny Green and Seth Curry coming back, which is something that they started losing when JJ Redick left. Right, they lost that consistent three point shooter. Now we know Danny Green did not have the best playoffs in the bubble he hit some decent shots it wasn't great though but Seth Curry being a 44% three-point shooter Danny Green being a 40% three-point shooter you got your corners pinned down so if Doc wants to run that pick and roll as he said he wants to do with Simmons and Embiid you have those corners to kick it out to if the defense collapses right they also added Dwight Howard that's that's good I'm you know some people don't like him I thought he was great for the Lakers this past season he is still an elite rim runner, he, and that is so valuable. Absolutely. For pick and roll. Absolutely. I thought he did amazing. Of course, he had some off games in the bubble, but like, like again, for a bot, like there are a couple of those games, like Rondo, he was the reason that they won, period. Yep. Yep. Um, and again, you still have Simmons and Beat and Tobias Harris as your guys that have been there for a little while with the new regime. 
Doc coming with Dave Yeager, Sam Cassell, Dan Burke, which is, was the Pacers defensive assistant from 1997 to last year, which is crazy. And he's a good guy. Obviously, the Pacers weren't always the best on defense. They had some great ranking defenses, you know, back with Vogel and and those. And so they've never been horrible. But I think he'll be a good defensive coach there with Simmons and Beat and Harris. I think it'll be a great staff to run with them. Yeah, and and overall, Elton Brand has put together really a I think the best roster they've had. Um, since the Simmons and Bead uh, combo has been there. And I don't think there's any more excuses in the East for them. And I think that what they did getting Doc there and they got Dave uh, Yorger and Sam Cassell. Uh, I, I know you just hit on that. Those are three just veteran guys that have been through the grind that, that know how to maybe help these guys get over the hump. I don't know that Brett Brown was that guy. Um, he was kind of on the hot seat, it felt like, for the last two years. So Sixers make massive moves and end up bringing in players that will help Simmons and Embiid get over the hump. They'll still be able to hit Embiid. Doc really loves low-post isos. Um, he will hit Embiid still with those. It will not be just a pri- – it will, won't only be a uh, high-pick-and-roll offense with them. Um, he has great sets. And um, – so the Philadelphia 76ers, we felt like, had the second best offseason in the NBA. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. So that leaves us with the number one team uh, of the NBA offseason. Just so happens to be two of our favorite teams in here. Hey-o. Um, hey Yep, two. Uh, sorry, Zach. Uh, things are not looking good for the NBA moving forward because the LA Lakers um, <laughs> have decided to add – I'm just going to go through this really quickly and then we'll break it down. Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, Marcus Gasol, Wesley Matthews, re-sign LeBron James, re-sign Anthony Davis, and bring on back the big fella Jared Dudley. Uh, the coaching Deadsters. staff – Yeah, the Dudsters. The coaching Good staff on. remains completely intact, thank God. Um, what a coaching staff it was. Fit perfectly. So much drama before last season, um, you know, is – is Frank Vogel going to get, you know, outed by Jason Kidd, so on and so forth. Everything meshes perfectly. And the Lakers add the sixth man of the year in Montrez Harrell. They add the runner-up to the sixth man of the year in Dennis Schroeder. They add a veteran in Wesley Matthews, 3 and D to replace Danny Green. Um, 
They bring back Kyle Kuzma. They bring back Alex Caruso. They bring back, obviously, LeBron James. They re-sign Contavious Caldwell-Pope. We missed him in the additions and re-signing. Sorry about that. Um, KCP is back on a three-year, $40 million contract. Um, they get Anthony Davis as of this morning for five more years of a max contract. They get, they get LeBron James for an additional two years. So he's got three more years um, left. As old Snoop would say, good Lord. Good Lord. <laughs> good Lord. Precious Lord, <laughs> take my hand. Um, and, you know, with that coaching staff um, and what they did, Lord Rob Palenka, um deserves so much credit um, for what he's been able to put together. You know, I, I first want to start there. Um, this is M- X's and O's NBA breakdown, but we are Kobe Bryant Mamba fans till the bitter, bitter. And that is my, uh, he is what created my love for the game. I know um, Mike's may be different, but I know Mike loves Kobe and I know Zach loves Kobe, even as a Pacers fan. Um, and Kobe- you know, let me just say this real quick, just because th- this is kind of your guys's team and I'll add in my two cents, but I'm just going to say this and kind of get out of your guys's way. Cause you guys know the most about the Lakers. I was so happy to see them win this championship because of what, with what happened with Kobe this year, I, as a non Lakers fan, a person that when he played would say as a person, I'm not a huge Kobe fan. I don't know that I've had a more emotional day when he passed away. Period. Yeah. I cried at the grocery store when I heard when I was with my wife, I had to excuse myself to the bathroom and cried. He just means that much to the NBA period. So I wanted this Lakers championship. That's all I got to say. Yep. I, I well, you that. wanted it once the uh, once the Pacers weren't in. They weren't going to go very far. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. So, so with these additions, um, and Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you what you think, but I just also want to point out that uh, keeping Phil Handy, uh, their player development coach, keeping him on staff. Um, was just so big. Um, you know, there was rumors that he might go to Brooklyn. And and to me, I know that I don't think they might do an assistant coach of the year. I don't know if they do in the NBA, but my assistant coach of the year was Phil Handy um, in the entirety of the NBA. Um, he is a Kobe guy and, and he does just as much for NBA players on the Lakers. Um, and he than he does for women's basketball that he does for little kids um, that have been going to Mamba Academy and stuff. Um, but to watch what he did with Anthony Davis last year, to watch what he did with Rajon Rondo, and to watch what he did with Kyle Kuzma and LeBron James and, and everybody in between, you would watch him work with those guys on video, and then you'd see them do that stuff in the game, and. And offensively, he's just a brilliant mind to get guys ready, mentally prepared. And I am so glad he's back. Phil Handy, you have my utmost respect, my man. And I am so glad. I hope you are a Laker for life, brother. So, Mike, go ahead and let me know what you think. 
Well, I'm about to wax poetic about these moves, but talk to me a little bit about what Phil Handy means to you when it comes to Montrez. Because there's been, um, you know, it's funny. When he's with the Clippers, he is uh, the badass of the league. But when he gets traded to the Lakers, suddenly he's not going to fit because he didn't fit in the playoffs for the Clippers. So talk to me a little bit about what Handy means to him. Or actually, what the Laker organization means to him coming over here. Yeah, and 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 uh, Dennis Schroeder is a great addition. Marcus Hall is a great addition. Wesley Matthews, I feel like, is the he's kind of the sleeper of the group that's going to have that a, big, a, a really big year. Yeah, but Montrez Harrell. Okay, I just want to. I'm going to throw this out there, and I may end up being really right, and I may end up being really wrong, but I highly doubt that. This man is going to be a problem for the rest of the NBA this year. And I just want to make that known now. Um, He is going to fit perfectly into what they do defensively. Um, He got so much of the blame for the philosophy that they were doing against Denver because he was the drop guy. He dropped in coverage on the high pick and rolls and Jamal Murray came off and had a lot of wide open shots. But that's not a Montrezl Harrell thing. That's a scheme thing. That's a Correct. that's a Clipper problem. That's not a Montrez Harrell problem. And and I Correct. think that the way that Frank Vogel coaches his defense, that Montrez Harrell is going to be a massive disruptor on the defensive end. And I think offensively, he's going to just be obliterating the rim based on those high pick and rolls. He's already said, I, I've been dreaming about these pick and rolls with LeBron from the baseline to the wing to the top. And I just want to know, you know, what do you think, Mike, about some of the other additions, but also give me a little additional input on what you think about Montrez. Well, as we watched, Frank Vogel is not afraid to bench someone if they're not a good fit. I was a skeptic of uh, Dwight Howard, but I watched him and he, he was legit against Denver. And then he wasn't a fit when they moved on to the next round. And what Vogel did was said, well, you're not a fit. So you stay engaged with this game in the event that I need you, but you're not going to play. And they, he did the same thing um, with all the bigs in that series. And Vogel seems to be the wild card. I will tell you, I was not a Vogel fan uh, when he came over. He was the defensive specialist, Zach, for your Pacers when Larry Bird was there. And he did a great job with that. But I didn't think he could handle the egos of LeBron and AD and the Laker crew, but he did a phenomenal job. And I do not doubt that he's going to put Trez in the best position to succeed. You know, Doc gets a lot of, a lot of flack for how he coaches, but he needs the right group. And that Clippers team wasn't the right group, as was told earlier. And again, I know we're going to have a little Clipper uh, action here later. But that was as was told earlier with what PG was saying, because 
Paul George was saying he wasn't put in the right positions and obviously he was more than any other time in his career. Oh, you use his government name. Mm. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I used his uh his birth name, his his uh, baptism his baptismal name. But uh he Doc Rivers gets a bad rap and I think Trez will be put in a position to succeed. One, because um, the coaching staff will put him in the position to succeed. And two, because if we know anything about LeBron, he, he puts all of teammates in the best position possible. You know what? Danny Green got so much garbage for missing that shot in game six or in game five. But if you look at that shot, he got the perfect and he got the perfect shot. And had he made it, Laker Nation would be saying he is a hero, but it is a fickle, fickle league. And uh, Zach, talk to me a little bit about what you think about the rest of the roster. As I said, Wes Matthews being a Pacers fan, one of my favorite trades they had done recently was not last season, but the season before trading for Wes Matthews after the all-star break, after not having Oladipo and needing some firepower going into the playoff run. Um, They didn't run very far in the playoffs, but they made it to it. Um, Right. It wasn't Wes. No, no, no. But Wes was a huge, huge, huge leader in our, in our team. Uh, coming in half the season. And honestly, I was begging, hoping to get him in free agency to be able to come back and said he went to the Milwaukee Bucks last year. Um, love that. Love the Marc Gasol signing for the Gasol family. Hope they bring in Powell back too. Bring him on back. Might as well. It's all family there. But I love the Marc Gasol signing. I think that's a huge, huge pickup. But like Dennis Schroeder, he was the runner-up six man of the year last year possibly could have won that that is a huge huge fit you have him like upgrading on the offensive side over rondo who yeah rondo's great at facilitating and doing what it does as a pass first point guard but you have 16 points as a point guard as a six man and coming off the bench your numbers are not going to be consistently there with this type of team but he's another option and a scary option love that one i would say west matthew that one yeah, D- Dennis Schroeder got flack too uh, defensively, I think, for, for maybe some of his previous stints. But he showed me in that Oklahoma City and Houston series, when that dude sits down in defense, he is a problem. Man. He's a pest. And and you could see when he got switched on to James Harden, he would get under him defensively. And those are the defensive things that I know Rob Palenka will love he will love that about Dennis Schroeder. He can get under people defensively. And when you can get under people defensively, um, you can stay in front of anybody. And, and he had the ability to do that against James Harden, who, you know, whether we like him or not, the guy, he can score in so many different ways. And he gets so many different calls that he is really hard to play one-on-one and be able to get stops against. And, and Schroeder showed me he could do that. Um, and, so with that, to be clear, we do not like James Harden. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, not a big fan of his game, but the guy, the guy can score. The guy can he can score. score. Um, and I've said this before on um, on a Laker podcast, and I'll say it again here: um, the coaching staff is going to be a perfect fit because when you are a head coach of a LeBron James led team, 
uh, and you get a standing ovation in a film session um, from LeBron James, you know that your attention to detail is above and beyond anything um, that probably any of those players have seen. And that is going to help all of these players, new and returning, um, compete for another championship next year. Uh, we all, I think, agree and foresee the Lakers winning it. And give Rob Palenka all the credit in the world, man. He He's put together just a hell of a roster and one that is going to um, be a problem for the next at least two years uh, with all of those guys under contract. So um, now we're going to go to the last part of our show, uh, something we're going to call three-point play. The three-point the three-point play. And this week, we're going to do something different every episode. Um, just something to let you guys as, as the audience get to know us a little bit. This this segment, boys, we're going to do our favorite NBA moment or memory. And Zach, um, I'm yes. going to let you start us off. Give us your favorite NBA moment or memory. Favorite NBA moment memory will always be with my dad because that's who got me into the Pacers. Um, still lives in Indianapolis. I try to bring him to a game once a year. But favorite memory was actually a memory that I tweeted that won me a contest for the Pacers, which was great, which was uh, Congrats. Of course, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, the 2000 finals where we played your Lakers. And Travis Best went to try down to foul Shaq in the paint, and he dislocated his shoulder because Shaq was so large. That <laughs> I got to tweet that as my favorite Pacers memory, and that won me courtside seats to the Pacers um, a few <laughs> seasons awesome. back. And what was so cool about that is I got to bring my dad, who had never sat that close to a game, and that was my best memory. That's outstanding. Nice. All right, Mike, give us your best NBA memory. So I uh, could say that it was the uh, game that I went to where I got Chick Hearn's autograph, but I won't say that because it was a game that I was watching on TV. It, it was June 9th, 1987. They were playing the Boston Celtics who I have a abnormal uh, hate for, and I'm sorry, Boston, but uh, I do. And Magic Johnson drove the lane, and I heard Chick Hearn say, a baby hook, just as I thought. And he put a uh, baby hook shot over Kevin McHale, Larry Bird, and Robert Parrish to take the lead in that game and they ended up winning that series so that is my nba memory yeah that's a bad bad man right there magic johnson Um, yes yes he is so i got i got a little uh favorite memory myself i'm a little bit younger than than mike but uh a little mike do you do you have any idea what i'm thinking I'm thinking it's something Kobe. It is definitely Kobe. Zach, run the clip for me. Oh, man. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? 
I feel it. I remember it uh, like it was two days ago. Kobe to Shaq. I just remember sitting there. I remember thinking, my God, they were down, I think, almost 20. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, they're, they are going to lose to Portland, who you just – they had so many characters on their team who I, I remember I couldn't stand. Mm, mm, Kobe mm. and Shaq were, were trying to get th- get over the hump and get there. Uh, and then all of a sudden the comeback happened, and there it was, that play. It, it kind of elevated Kobe, it elevated Shaq. That, all, that, that arena just goes crazy. And uh, I remember just thinking – like this is the moment I will I will always remember this and that play I, I watch it back basically every year I just to remind myself of that great moment. Um, probably you were there, Mike. I know I was watching it with with my dad and and just a huge Laker family. A great moment, and uh, that is one I will always remember. I think to me that is the best Laker memory that I have so far. So many others with Kobe, but that one just standing out as the best. Mm. Yep, so guys, I remember it like it was yesterday. Guys, we're here. Uh, end of episode one. Oh man, this is this has been awesome. Um, episode yeah. two will be coming to you guys in the next ten days. Uh, we yes, will be sir. previewing both the Eastern and Western Conference. We'll be giving you a season preview. Um, we may have a special guest uh, to just talk about. Um, his experience with NBA coaching and what that looked like for him. Um, But we thank you and we cannot wait to catch you guys in a mere few days. So for Mike, Zach and Mark, we are signing off Mike. Hey, NBA season is less than two weeks away on three Mamba on three, one, two, three. Mamba. Later, guys. See you next time. See ya. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of X's and O's NBA Breakdown. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, subscribe, or comment on any of our social media sites at X underscore breakdown. See you next week, and remember, Mamba on three.